God is good. Um, we're on the series called Forward, just like I just said, about prayer. And I believe prayer is so important. Most people um, not only don't know how to pray, don't feel comfortable in praying. And I, I told you about how I was at an all-night prayer meeting, prayed for everything I knew what to pray for, and 15 minutes was up and I was done, you know, and became a long, long night. God wants you to connect with him in prayer. And in fact, that is how you connect with God, is in prayer. Now, it's not in just prayer meeting. It's all the time. In fact, Paul says in Thessalonians that we should pray without ceasing. So that means that we need to be, every single one of us, are called to live a lifestyle of prayer. And we should live a lifestyle of prayer. We should engage in prayer. We should love to pray, right? We should enjoy it, but most believers don't because we don't really understand how we can enjoy prayer. Prayer should be enjoyable. You, this is where you connect to God. Like I talked about last week about creating a space, creating time for the Lord, that you organize a time and for him, whether it's in the morning or the evening, but that's not it. That's not alone. That's not all of it that we have a continual lifestyle of prayer throughout the day in your life. Now, your spirit man, if you're born again, that means you've given your life to Jesus Christ in here, that your spirit man is, is what really gets saved. Nothing changed on the outside of you, and your mind, will, and emotions still have bad. How many had bad thoughts after you got saved? Just raise your hand. My hand's raised too, by the way, so you, it's not a true question. Um, so we all have bad thoughts. We have to work out our salvation in our flesh, in our mind, and and will and emotion through fear and trembling. We submit them to the Lord. But you are now more spirit than you are flesh. So your spirit man is what's supposed to rule you. You and I are supposed to listen to our spirit man, which is made perfect. Your spirit man does not sin, but your flesh does. Your, your, your thoughts do, but your, 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 uh, your spirit man doesn't sin anymore. It is perfect. It is right standing with the Lord. And so we are supposed to be led by our spirit and by the, by the spirit of God, connected with our spirit, okay? And so how we begin to do that and develop that relationship is through prayer. And so what, what the enemy wants us to, to, to not like is not like prayer because that's how we get connected to God. That's how we know God. That's how we get empowered by God is through prayer. And if prayer seems awkward to you, then we believe the lie. And I believe the lie for a lot of my life. Even as when I started out in ministry, I didn't like to pray. I like to do stuff. I mean, I like to work. I like to pray for people. But I personally didn't have a really great prayer life. And something that had to be, had to be developed in my life. And I started to believe that, man, I can enjoy prayer. I looked forward to praying. Now, 30 years ago, I would have never let that come out of my life. You want to have a prayer meeting? You can go and pray, and I would be somewhere else. But, but I want to pray. I desire to pray. I look forward to it all the time. And not just because I'm a pastor. We all should have that, uh, that same idea, that God wants us to pray, wants us to connect with Him. And so the series, in this part of the series, has been about us learning that prayer is enjoyable and the prayer does work. Jeremiah 33, 1 says this, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you, do, you, you know not. How many guys want to see those great and mighty things from God? 
Well, that's done by him, you and I, connecting in prayer. 1 John 5, 14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. And as we begin to connect to him, we begin to see that, and we see the value in talking to God. Because that's what it is, is communicating with the Father. Just like I would communicate with you as a friend, you communicate the same way to God the Father. And so what I want to do to give you today is I want to give you some points of a man's prayer in the Bible that may help you enter into prayer a little bit easier. Just like last week. If you weren't here last week, make sure you listen to last week's message. So I want to give you some pointers. Now, I can only take you so far. And as you start doing these things, then you're going to see some things. And Sean, Sean, I still don't feel like to pray. Well, keep on. What's that, that saying? You fake it till you make it, right? Right? So somebody told me one time, says, Sean, you always start in the flesh. That means it's not spiritual. It doesn't seem. It's just you making yourself do it, and eventually you'll get into the spirit. So sometimes you've got to force yourself to do these things. And they may be like lists that you do. But do it. And do it in faith. And then you're going to start seeing and hearing the voice of God. And it's going to become valuable to you. Because listen, we need to be men and women of prayer. If we are going to move forward in the things of God and what God has for us, we need to be in prayer and consistently praying. Amen? So this is what I want to do. I want to look at at Nehemiah. Nehemiah, go ahead and turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. Nehemiah, I want to show you his prayer. But let me, let me uh, give you the background of it. Um, the nation of Israel is in captivity in Babylon. They've been in captivity for about 150 years. Um, the book of Ezra is right before Nehemiah was written about uh, uh, 15, finished about 15 years before Nehemiah. And uh, a remnant of people were allowed to go back from Babylon to Jerusalem and to restore the temple, and to build the wall, and to have the city there, okay? Um, So the king had let them go in. But a lot of people did not go. A lot of Jewish people didn't go because they have established their home in Babylon. They were part of the society there, and some of them have risen in the ranks in the leadership of Babylon. And so they didn't want to go. And so easy to be caught up in Babylon, right? It's so easy for us, just a side note, to be caught up in the ways of this world, right? So easy to be caught up in Babylon, in this kingdom. Um, uh, just like Amy was saying, in this kingdom. It's not just about the chief's kingdom. It's a God's kingdom, right? And so easy to get caught up in the things of this world. And Jesus even talked about that. And so that's what was happening to them. And so here is Nehemiah, and he's getting word. Look at verse 1. He says, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that has survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and, and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. 
So what was happening, this remnant had went back in, in Ezra. They were trying to rebuild the wall also, but the, the, uh, the people around them, the countries around them, kept on attacking them and stopping them. And so this was concerning to Nehemiah because if this wall wasn't going to be built, if this wall was never built, you would have never been able to go to Jerusalem today. It would have been like one of the other cities of back then that they have to dig up to find out where it was. This is how important Jerusalem is. God protected Jerusalem here. And here's the beginning of God uh, sending a man, Nehemiah, to pray and to help protect uh, Jerusalem because it's important that Jerusalem live. Now, a lot of you have been to Jerusalem now, and uh, you know because you've gone on some of our trips there, it is alive and well and prospering, you know? And so God had protected it for many years. And so this is Nehemiah, and he's here, and he says, and look at verse 4, he says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So he was very concerned about this. And here begins his prayer in verse 5. He says, Then I said to the Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. And here's, here's his, his prayer here to God. He's going to go towards the king and ask him to be able to do this. And he needs favor. And he needs God to intervene in this. And this is what he says. He starts his prayer out, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, and keeps his covenant of love. And here's some lessons. Number one, the first lesson of prayer from Nehemiah is he based his request on God's character. He based his request on God's character. When you and I come to God, we must know his character. We need to know who he is. And Nehemiah came to him, came to God and said, God of heaven, how awesome are you? You're the awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. He knew his character. He knew that God was a promise keeper. He knew that he was a God of love. And see, when we come to pray, a lot of times we don't realize that. We come a lot of times to pray. Most of the times we come to pray, it's just, God, I need help. And we come in fear. We come in not knowing who God is. See, listen, the only way you can come to God is to know him. Is to know who he is. When you come to God, you come to God because you, you know that he's a God of love. Even when you, before you even got saved. The Bible says the only way we got saved is because he first loved us. You've realized somehow God Almighty in some way loves you. And that gave you access to come and to receive what Jesus has for you. See, in everything that we do, we need to come to knowing his character. Who is God? Nehemiah knew his character. He knew who is God. He started to brag about how great God is. He started to brag how wonderful. Remember last, last week we talked about prayer that, that begins with worship. He started to worship how great God is. I heard this statement one time that you need to stop telling God your problems and talk, start telling your problems about who God is. That God is my healer. That God is my provider. That God is my joy. He is the lifter of my head. I mean, God is good, right? So when we come to prayer, we know God's character. That's who God is. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, he says, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible 
with God. So you begin to know his character. This is why it's so important to know his character. Because that's who he is. You don't have to beg him. That's who he is. You don't have to beg God to love you. You don't have to beg God to forgive you because that's who he is. He's Jehovah Jireh, your provider, right? You don't have to beg him to provide for you. He is your provider. You can thank him. You can worship him. because That's his character. That's who he is. He does that. Why in worship that you receive things from God in worship? When worship's all about God and not about you. But all of us have received something while we worship the Lord. Why is that? Because God is a giver. It just flows out of him. He cannot separate himself from who he is. Now, we try to do that a lot in our lives. We're not like that all the time. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is God. You don't have to worry about, is he loving today? You don't worry, is God in a bad mood today? You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to walk around on eggshells with God because God is who he is. He doesn't change because of this world. He's the same. So we can trust that. So Nehemiah came to God knowing his character. And that's the way we need to come because we come boldly before God. How can we come boldly? Not in demanding not in, uh, in uh, our own pride, but we come boldly because of who he is, right? So he did that. Number two, comes out of verse six. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. So important in prayer is that he confess the weaknesses of his life. So important that you come to God and confess that you're weak. That you realize that it's not you. I've seen people come to God and they're, they're coming to God in almost an arrogant way. And you don't come to God arrogantly. You come to God bowing your knees. Just like I talked about last, last week. How children in, the Israel, in Israel would come to their father. They would come to him and bow down. And the father would bless them. We come to God in that honor and that respect, but realizing that, man, we've made mistakes. That we might have sinned. We might have thought differently. We might have thought not wrong. But if not any of that, maybe we just, we just come to him knowing that, God, I need you. I need you. This is, here I am, God. I am nothing without you. We must have an honest appraisal of who we are. My help comes from you alone, God. And, uh, and so Nehemiah, he didn't come to God in shame during this time. He didn't come to God in condemnation because he knew his character. He came to God knowing and lifting up who God is in his life. He was desperate and dependent. Desperate and dependent on God. That's what we need all the time, to be desperate for the things of God and to be dependent on God, right? Amen? We stay desperate. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Nehemiah knew this, and even in this covenant, he knew this. We have a new and better covenant than Nehemiah did, but he knew that he could go to God humbly and get the grace and the mercy that he needed for the time 
that he was praying for what he needed God to do because he knew God's love never fails. He became desperate and he needed the Lord. That's where we always come with the Lord. That's why we begin with worship because worship gets us out of the way, right? And puts our focus on God. I need to get out of the way when I pray. I don't want to pray my things because I'm going to go directly to my problems, right? I'm going to go, God, I'm, and, I'm, and it's only going to last two minutes because, you know, I, I can say them all pretty quickly. But prayer is more than asking God for something. Prayer is relational. Prayer is communing with God. Prayer, prayer is talking with the Lord, is hanging out with him, is being transformed by God. And when we bow our knees, that's when it happens, man. And we worship him. Amen? And then the third way Nehemiah came to the Lord, verse 8, he says, Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses. So the third thing is he did is that he claimed the promises of God. In fact, Nehemiah spoke to God about a promise that he actually gave to Moses. He claimed a promise that was given to somebody else. Since God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can do the same thing. So he came to God knowing the promises of God. Some of us come to God empty-handed because we're, we're not studying the word. We're not in the word of God. Listen, there are thousands of promises for you and I. Thousands of promises. And when you come to God, it's not that you are reminding God but you are reminding yourself to come in faith when you're praying to the Lord. That you come with his word. And God loves it when you honor him with his word. God, I come to you right now because you said in your word that you will heal. You said in your word that you would help me. You said in your word that you would provide for me. That, Father God, that I, I, I need confidence, but you said in your word that you have made me confident. You had made me competent. You had made me able ministers of your new covenant. That, God, I thank you that Psalms 103 says that you will heal all my diseases, Lord, in Jesus' name. I mean, you come to him in that faith. God, is, God it pleases God when we are in faith. It takes faith to please God in Hebrews. So we come to him with these promises. And that's what Nehemiah was coming. He wasn't coming empty-handed. He was coming with the will of the Lord. See, the promises of God are his will for your life. And that's why we can come and we can pray the will of God. Because faith is where the will of God is known. And where is the will of God? It's in his word. And so I know it, and I come, not empty-handed, I come with the word of God and ready to receive and ready to say, God, this is your word, and I thank you for it. I'm not coming and demanding. I'm coming and laying it at his feet and saying, God, I receive from you today. This is what your word has for me. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? No, because he's a promise keeper. So get to know the promises of God when you pray. In fact, all the time, man, before I go into my prayer time with the Lord, I'm, I'm getting the word of God ready. I'm preparing for my prayer time with the Lord. 
And I'm seeing it. And a lot of times, even when I'm praying through the, through the day, scriptures are coming up in my mind. Well, how is that happening? Because I've studied to show myself approve a workman unto God. I study the word of God. I don't just study to come and preach. I study because I want to get to know him. And so it doesn't take long to study. Just take one verse and start eating on it, chewing on that verse, and asking the Holy Spirit to, to reveal it to you. And then when you need it, guess what happens? Holy Spirit brings what's inside in you and brings it up, right? Amen? He taps in to what you've already deposited by your study and by your connecting with the Lord. And he brings those things up in, in your mind. And see, that's what the whole heart, as when we come to prayer, we have those things in, in us. And then the last thing, Nehemiah 1.11 says this, Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He was very specific in what he asked for. See, when you come to God, be specific. Some have asked me, should I say it's your will? Well, you should already know the will of God when you come and ask. And there's times that you have to come and pray and ask the Lord, reveal your will. I understand that. Because some things in life are not in the Bible. It doesn't say I can buy uh, a 1968 Cal uh, a Camaro or something. You know, it doesn't say that. Even though my flesh says I can do that. Right? But it doesn't say that. So sometimes you have to pray and you have to ask, you have to find the will of God. That's fine. And that's called seeking after the Lord. But when you come to him and ask, know the will of God when you're asking for something. Because it doesn't, it just wastes your time. It doesn't do you any good to ask God for something when it's not in his will. Because he can't give it to you. He doesn't, remember, he doesn't change. Right? He doesn't change. Not like us with our kids. We change because they won't shut up about the candy bar, right? <laughs> God doesn't do that, right? So he doesn't change. So you got to know the will of God. And you, when you know it, you be specific. You have not because you ask not. When you know his character, you confess his weakness, you claim his promise, and then you're being specific about prayer. So when you go to pray... Do those four things. Do those things. Watch God even show up in your life. Now, I'm not done. I'm not letting you off that easy. Because I want to go a little deeper here. Because in the last two weeks, we talked about how to pray, how to go to God, what to do, some examples. Eventually, you're going to come out through that, and it's going to be a natural thing for you as you pray, and you're going to develop even some more things on your own. But what happens when you pray, you know it's the will of God, you do these things, and nothing happens? Because I know some of you are here today, and you've been praying for things, and nothing's happened. Some of you have been praying for years, and nothing happens. And the question is, does God answer everyone's prayers. We see clearly in the Bible that he doesn't. Now he answered every prayer that's his will. Okay? So you got to know the will of God. But there's some things we ask that he doesn't answer. But there are other things that actually hinders our prayers. 
And I want to show you this. Because I, 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 want, I want to, number one, encourage you to continue to pray. And don't give up. You know it's the will of God, right? You see it in his word. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because it will happen. But maybe there may be some things in your life that are hindering your prayers. So I was in the hospital. I had a friend of mine come and pray for me. He's another pastor friend. And he came here, and before he started to pray, he asked me about a few things. Are, and he named some things. Are there any of these things in your life that could hinder you receiving your healing? And this is a time I was at KU and I was, I was not doing well. And, I, I, and I, had to, I, had to, I had to really look at some things. And here are some of the things that he told me. Because these are five conditions of answered prayer. Even when you are praying the will of God, these can be five conditions. These can hinder you in this area. And so, so number one, you must forgive others. You must forgive. You can do everything we taught. You can do everything right about prayer. You can go deeper in that. But if you have unforgiveness towards other people, it will hinder your prayer. It won't work if you're bitter. More than any characteristic about prayer besides faith is forgiveness. It needs to happen in your life. You need to forgive. Now, Jesus said this. I didn't say this. No preacher, other preacher said this. Jesus said this. In Mark eleven twenty four. he says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you asked for in prayer, believe that you received it and it will be yours. And continuing, when you stand praying, when you stand believing, if you hold anything, if I say anything, anything against anyone, Forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sin. Unforgiveness towards others will stop the flow of God's blessing in your life. And so that pastor friend asked me when I was laying in that hospital bed, do you have any unforgiveness? And I said, I don't think so. He said, well, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if there's anything. And there was something came up in me. And I had to get on the phone and I asked that person, to, I said, I forgive you for what you did and I ask you to forgive me for what, what I have done. I had, to, if I was, I believed, if I was going to get out of that hospital room, if I was going to be alive today, I had to forgive. I needed to forgive. Forgiveness will stop it in your life. It will stop the move of God in your life. Unforgi I mean, unforgiveness will stop all that from you doing anything in your life. You cannot hold another brother or sister, um, uh, another person um, uh, against anything against them. You've got to let them go. Well, Sean, they didn't ask forgiveness. It doesn't matter. I know, it, I know it seems hard, but you need to forgive. Sean, I don't know if I can't do it. Then you need to go to God and say, God, help me. Forgive. Because he forgave you. First Peter 3, 7, you're going to like this, wives. It says, treat wives with respect so nothing hinders your prayers. All the wives say, amen. amen, right? Treat your wives with respect so nothing will hinder your prayers. I mean, God really takes hold of this pretty, pretty seriously. We cannot have anything 
against somebody else. We've got to release them. Because let me tell you something. Unforgiveness hurts you. It doesn't hurt the other person. It hurts you. It doesn't get you back. Well, I'm just going to hold this and I'm not going to like them forever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. Forgive. And sometimes there's different levels, layers of forgiveness. And just like that, I had thought I had forgiven that person for what they did to me. I had thought I already forgiven, but the Lord showed me that I didn't. And so when anytime those layers come up and he'll show you, then you need to just release it. Give it to the Lord and forgive them. You know, many times, even with my wife, Lisa and I, you know, we get in fights um, once a week. And, um, okay, maybe more. Anyway, um, I have, Lisa and I have to get it right with each other. We just know that if we're not right, and we both, both, I'll say this, are, don't, don't you just say that I just said that she was, but both of us are stubborn, hard-headed, think we're right all the time people. Mainly her, but most, most, some of you too. Anyway, see, I just get myself in trouble. There I go. Anyway, um, but we have to make it right because if there's disharmony in the home, I mean, even my kids, I have to go apologize to my kids. If there's disharmony in the home, I need to make that right. I want God, I want God to move, and I'm going to go into prayer. I'll, I'll come down, and it's hard for me. I had to live in a two-story home, because I have to climb stairs. And so when I go upstairs, usually I'm there. I'm not going to leave. And so, man, if I'm upstairs, I'm praying, and I do that in the evenings. And I feel like there's something wrong. I'm stopping to pray, just like Jesus said. And I'm going to go and make it right. I have to. And see, that's what we need to do. It will hinder your prayer. Number two, the second thing that will hinder our prayers is you must be willing to share the results. See, it's not just about you. God answering your prayer is not just about you. It's about his kingdom. God's motivation to bless you, God's motivation to answer your prayer is definitely part of you. He loves you and he's going to keep his promises, but it's also to be a blessing to others. Whether it's financial, whether it's your healing, whether it's whatever, relationships, is to be a blessing to others, to help others. It's called your testimony. It's called your giving. It's called your working, what God's called you to do. James 4.3 says this, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It's not just about you. It's about others. God's called you to be a giver, not just in your finances, but in your life, who you are. Give. Give it. I tell you what, a lot of times when, um, when, I, when we're dealing with something, we're, I'm, I usually I try to go find somebody who's dealing with it and pray for them or bless them or trying to help them. Because I want to, I want to, I want to do that before I get it. I want to show, I want to show God, God, I'm. This is who I am. This is my character. I'm going to be a giver of it. I'm not going to hoard it. I'm not going to hoard your blessing. 
I'm not going to hoard your healing. I'm not going to hoard uh, my relationship. I mean, with, if my wife and I aren't doing good, we're going to go help somebody else. You say, Sean, that's hypocritical. No, that's faith. I want to help. So you must be willing to share the results, what your motives and what you're praying for. Well, God, I'll, if you'll bless me, I'll give. Give now. Don't wait. Start giving. Start doing those things. Be a giver. Be a giver of your life. Be a giver of your finances. Be a giver in every single area. Be about the kingdom of God. Amen? Number three, the third one that will hinder your, your prayers, you must believe that God will answer. Simply put, you've got to trust God. When you go, you go not to beg. When you pray, you trust him. That is faith. Faith says, I believe God has done it. Amen? Not that God may do it or will do it. He has done it. I believe that. James 1, 6. But when you ask, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts like a wave of the sea blown and tossed to and fro by the wind that man should not think that he will receive anything from God. Just go and you believe and you stand firm on that and you believe that no matter what. You believe. God wants you to do it in faith and trust him and just, it's, it's actually in a, in a place of rest. So when you pray and you go to God and you're having that relationship, you're praying, you're doing those things, you're worshiping him, you're humbly coming to him, you're forgiving whatever you have to do and you're just having that relationship time with the Lord and then you start to ask you ask and you give it to God and you leave it there and you thank him for it and it's called peace. I trust the Lord. Listen, I'm not worried. I'm not, I mean, I've been healed and a lot. I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dead. Um, uh, but I'm not completely there in the physical realm. But I believe it. So like I said, when someone comes asking me what's wrong with me, I always want to say, you know, what's wrong with you? Because I, I don't see myself this way. You may see it because you, you look at me. I mean, I don't see myself this way. Now, sometimes it's hard for me and stuff, and I, I have to see that and have to get my mind right on that. But I don't see myself this way. In fact, ever since, for, since 2011, since this actually happened, I have never dreamt once, me, in my dreams, where I never had a cane or a crutch or anything. I was always walking. All my dreams are like that. Me running, um, me jumping, me walking, whatever. It's never with, with a cane. Why is that? Because I don't believe I, I'm that way. You trust God. And God, that's where God wants you to breathe, that you trust him. And I thank him for it. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't ask God for my healing anymore. I thank him for it. I just praise him for it. I'm said, thank you, God. I've already asked. I don't like to be like my kids did. You know, even I did as a kid. Mommy, can I have this? Can I have this? Yes. Mommy, can I have this? Can I have this? Or Daddy, can I have this? Can I have this? I mean, I don't, I don't want to be like that to the Lord. I want to just receive it. And I thank him. God, you are so good. I thank you. I am healed. You ask my kids. I pray with them every morning as I take them to school. 
and uh, we pray for health for our family and blessing for our family. We pray for the church for you guys, and um, and I always think I say I thank you, God, for my healing. Just thank Him. That's worship. He loves that. It's faith. It's putting your trust in God, and there's peace. I have no doubt in my mind. I am healed. Amen. Number four, the fourth thing you uh, uh, you need to do. Some of these things are are really important for us that we continue and do that. Not only we need to believe, but you also, number four, need to pray in Jesus' name. And this is why. Um, not only that the, the word tells us to, but it reminds you of the right to pray, why you have the right to pray, and it's because of Jesus. That basically, I am bowing down to his will. Faith is where the will of God is known. I'm praying in Jesus' name because it's not about me. It's not about what I want. Did you know that all those thousands of promises in the Bible, God wants them for your life? Just as much as you want them or need them. And so I pray in his, his will, in the name of Jesus. John 14, 13 says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. First John 15, 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that we ask anything according to his will, he heals us. That you know the will in the name of Jesus. A lot of times the thing that hinders us is that we're not really praying the will of God. We're not praying in Jesus' name under his authority, we're trying to pray under our authority. That's why probably you haven't won that $10 million yet, right? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't answer the apostles' prayer when they pray, wanted to pray fire down from heaven? How many of you wanted to pray fire down from heaven in, when you were behind that car that wouldn't speed up and, you know? I want to do that. I, I, my kids go to a Christian school, and I want to do it on those Christians that don't know how to drive. Come on, get with it, you know? Sorry. I don't, God doesn't answer to my prayers. Aren't you glad that God doesn't answer your prayers, right? No one would be left on the earth if they did. If they did. See, we pray in Jesus' name to submit to the Lord. I submit to you. I submit to your name. And then the last one, number five. You must pray and have an honest relationship with God. John 15, seven says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now what's, what's the condition to remain in him? I believe a lot of believers are praying things, but their life is not right with the Lord. You're out of order. Um, alignment. I mean, just what Jamie was saying. Sometimes alignment with God is that you have stepped outside of the life of God. Maybe through your own desires, your own evil. It doesn't have to be the devil. Maybe you've, you've sinned or maybe you just stepped out and want to live your own life. And, and we, it's so easy to be Babylon, right? But to live in Babylon. 
So easy to do that. But God wants us to have a right relationship with you, with God. You know, the real issue a lot of times with believers, if you're a believer and you're following God and loving God, you're going to know his will. So the, the, the question is, God, not what is your will. The real question should be, am I in your will? Am I living in your will? Am I living under you? That's why Jesus said this a lot. He says, remain in me. That means that I, there may be times that I don't remain in him. That I can make the choice to go out of his covering. I can go out of his protection. Out of his will. And I, I know, I look back in my life, there's been times I've went out of the will of God in my life. I got off track. The good thing is we can get right back on and come back into the will of God. But are you, are, do you have that honest relationship with the Lord? Are you in harmony with all that God has? We have to ask ourselves. You know, St. Augustine asked, said this. He said, love God and do what you wish. Do what you please. Love God and do what you please. You know why he said that? Because if you love God, you're going to do what God pleases, what, what God desires, what God wants. And if you're all, when you're going after him and you're desperate for him and you're following after him, listen, you're gonna, your life is going to line up. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. We're not talking about perfection here. But we're talking about heart. We're talking about going after him, desiring what he wants. That's the honest relationship. And that when you do mess up and you do you know, do that, those things that don't please him, that you're going to go to him and like Nehemiah, God, forgive me. I thank you, Lord, and I want you and I desire you. you. God is looking for that honest relationship. And this honest relationship with the Lord, that means you are playing games, that you're playing church, that you're one way here and another way somewhere else, and you got to stop that. Because what's happening is it's killing you and stopping the move of God in our lives. We've all been there. We've all done it. We just got to stop it, right? That can hinder the things of God. And it's good that God sometimes doesn't answer our prayers right away. We need to learn to go after him and where he can trust us with those stuff. I mean, I'm definitely blessed more today. I'm almost 50 years old. My birthday's March 9th. I'll be 49. That's the last birthday I'm going to have. And uh, I'm definitely blessed more than I was in my 20s. But if God were to bless me as he did now in my 20s, I would have screwed everything up. I would have bought a car, I mean a nice car, I would have wasted the money. Man, I, I, I went to Walmart to buy a Chiefs shirt, because I, I only have a t-shirt that says Chiefs on it, and, uh, and I didn't want to wear a t-shirt today, because it's actually hot in here right now, but anyway, it's in, out there, it's cold, and uh, I, uh, I, didn't, I, I looked at the prices, I says, forget that. <laughs> that is me. Now, you know, in the 90s, that would have been a totally different story. I would have put it on a credit card. I would have got the most expensive thing. I, see, see, sometimes there's a level of maturity that God's asking you to go into before he's going to answer some of your, 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 your stuff, right? The honest relationship with the Lord. And to go after him with all your heart. And then those things will happen. Amen?
Now, we're not talking about healings. We're not just talking about that. Sometimes, you know, I don't know why the prayer is not there yet. It's not answered fully. But I want to give you something. This is what I want you to do. Because you've done all these things. You're going after him. You've done what we said. You're believing by faith. Nothing's happening. Some of you have been doing some of these prayers for years. And you looked at all I just said and said, Sean, I'm, I don't think, I'm gonna ask the Lord, but I don't think there's anything of those things that are hindering me. So what do you do? Because I've been standing for my healing for many years. So this is what I do. In fact, I am personally gonna be writing a book on this subject. I know a lot about this subject. And I believe that God wants to set you free. And I believe God has heard your prayers. That he's heard them. And sometimes the will of God is very easy. Sometimes timing is off, right? We don't understand timing. But I want you to look at the scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, a lot of prayer is not just only the natural what we see. A lot of prayer is spiritual fighting, so spiritual warfare. Some of the hindrances may not be you at all. Right? We see that in the book of Daniel where the, where the angel was held off because of a battle to bring the answer to Daniel. So some of the things are spiritual. Okay? God has not forgotten you. And a lot of times you think God's forgotten you and he's not listening to you. But he is listening to you. Now it could be a, a hindrance, not just a spiritual hindrance, it could be another person. That's not listening to God. God can't make anybody do anything. You understand that. But you've got to understand you're going to be okay. And so there's a spiritual realm that we're fighting here. In verse 13 it says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, that means when the answer is not there yet. That means when you haven't received everything. When that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the will of God, knowing his plan, his purposes. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, that you are right standing with God. So if you're right standing with God, God can consume you with his presence. That, will, that means the peace of God can surpass all understanding. You may be wanting out here, but inside here, you've allowed the peace of God to come in where there's nothing missing and nothing broken. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for the Lord's people. 
Stand firm. Don't give up. Don't get sad. Don't get mad. If you're doing these things, there's a battle that's coming against what you're praying for. And don't give up. If you're praying for a person, whether it's someone to come to get saved or anything, don't give up on that person. They need to come in that line. You can't make them and God can't make them, but you can pray that something's going to come around them and influence them. Don't give up. If you're praying for a financial thing, pray, stand firm with the belt of truth. Listen to the Lord and he'll give you what you need to start making those steps of faith. If you're praying for your healing, don't give up, don't stop. It's going to happen. I believe one day the, the, the church in Kansas City is going to be in the stadiums. I pray it's in my lifetime. I want to have a part. But I already have a part because I've been praying for it for years. And just like the, the men and women of faith of Hebrews 11, they all died without seeing some of the things that they were wanting and praying for. But everything happened that they prayed for. See, listen, church, we're not just here for 80 years. We're for eternity, and our prayers are for eternity, and you keep on standing. I've seen so many people who have come to the Lord because of their praying grandmother that didn't stop praying. She might have never saw it, but they're with the Lord today. She sees it up in heaven. She's one of that great cloud of witnesses, right? Amen? Don't stop don't give up. Trust me, it will come. You're praying the will of God. You're focusing on Him. Go after Him. See, what happens is a lot of times unanswered prayer for some reason stops us from moving forward with God. Don't let that happen because you're just that close to your miracle. You're that close to the answer. Don't give up.